In this episode of the Sustainable Fashion Podcast, we're talking all about traceability. What are the challenges and how can the industry adapt? For the next few weeks or the past few weeks, I've been sharing some definitions to help raise your consciousness about ethical and sustainable issues that affect us all. And I've been using the Good On You glossary for sustainable fashion to help guide the discussion and provide some insights into key points related to sustainability that I think everyone should know about. So if you want to actually um, follow the glossary and the definitions that I'm, I'm sharing, then you can DM me on Instagram. It's Global Fashion Marketplace, and I'll send you the link for the glossary that I've been following. So this week we're talking about traceability. So I have a bit of a de- definition here that I'm going to explain the topic and then definitely raise your hand I've got a few questions as well that you can participate in um in the discussion so traceability for a company means knowing its supply chains from start to finish and being able to trace back each component of a product from raw materials to clothes tags and everything in between so this is a important step to transparency and we've we've had a session on transparency already so this is like part two so transparency is one one topic um where you're transparent and you reveal everything about your business traceability is another topic where you actually allow consumers to be able to trace back what you're sharing with them so um how companies disclose information on their products um needs to show all the steps involved in making it. So um, traceability information doesn't only convey the source of the location, but it also um, conveys the impact of the products it's having um, on on society and the environment and people involved. So it's full traceability on all aspects um, of the supply chain. So um, just a little bit of a statistic in the background um, into transparency as well. Um, so you get the context of that um, definition that I just gave earlier. 95% of customers say that a brand that a, a brand that provides them with detailed information about their product or service earns their trust. So that's why transparency is important. So not all issues are easy to be honest about, but customers actually do really want to know from social to environmental issues health issues and product safety issues etc etc so how do you build transparency and trust for your brand i would say by starting asking some key questions about your business so those key questions would be things like what is in this product where did the raw materials come from where was the product made who made the product and how how were they treated and things like how do you dispose of the product so they're just the first kind of questions that you can start asking when you want to build transparency and then traceability is tied into that so there's a really great brand that I'm going to reference today this brand is called Asket and they're really great with um, traceability so I just thought I'd give them an example so you can find the information that I'm referring to or discussing at www.asket.com so it's as ket.com and then they have like a traceability and a transparency section on that website so if you put forward slash gb 
forward slash transparency, forward slash traceability on the end of that, you'll get to the, the traceability details and things like that. So if you want to follow along and, and take a look at that brand, then you definitely can. I think they're a great example. So a 2018 study found that 30% of brands don't know where their clothes um, are manufactured and 82% don't know where their fabrics are milled and 93% don't know where the raw materials come from. So according to Asket, that puts the industry at just 28% traceability. So that's just to put things into perspective. So um, basically what they do at Asket, they allow for the individual consumer to make informed decisions about the clothing that they choose to invest in. So their journey started in May 2018 and they um, failed to meet their goal of 100% traceability by 2019, but they do expect to get there by the end of 2021. So by the end of this year, they hope to be 100% traceable. So um, hopefully you guys are going and checking them out um, as we speak. Um, so I've got question one. So definitely raise your hand if you want to come up and participate in this conversation. Um, you can... You can all come up or one or two of you can come up who wants to really dive into this topic. But the first question that I have is, should brands be taking more responsibility over their products that they produce? So that's the first question. Hey, hey, Jean. Hey, Rosie. If anyone else wants to come up, you guys can definitely join us. Um, yeah, so let's start the conversation. Should brands be taking more responsibility of the products they produce? Hello, my name is Jean. My name is hey, Jean. Jean. I'm the chairman of Eightfold Group and the founder of Trace incorporated that's tr the number eight ce and uh it's very interesting that traceability is um from the perspective of um a garment buyer or an inline retail customer um their their perception of uh the origin of a composition or uh, let's say the origin in terms of place, but also in terms of um, the uh, organization that might have supplied that uh, compositional element within a, a garment. Um, and, and that the, the public wants to know, uh, the public um, is wanting to know is I think a relatively new thing, especially in the, um, especially in uh, fashion or, and even in, let's say, household textiles, um, fabric-based fabric, fabric -based textiles. So I, I, whether there's the responsibility taking um, as a should, as a kind of moral or ethical imperative, I think is a good question. And, and one might ask the question, why should they, be accountable or accountable alone, let's say accountable alone. I think the 
bottom line answer to that question to me is that they have the, are driving the price um, or the perception of value of that uh, garment. And in fact, deriving the greatest amount of um, benefit financially. And, and so accountability and responsibility. And when I say accountability, I mean actual measurement. Now, whether they're accountable for other things like let's say um, what is clearly understood now as science, the responsibility for the for global warming or climate impact, this is now um, a measurable, let's call it truth. I'll put that in quotes a little bit right now, but I'll say that it's a pretty much consensus that the um, what I call the fiber supply chain from um, fiber through every single tier of the supply chain to garment and then and whether and what happens after that garment's end of life that um, is responsible for is the second most responsible uh, industry or supply chain uh, impacting climate change and so the answer in a word is yes and then there's devil in the detail as we say my name is Gene. I'm, I'm finished speaking. Is anybody there? Hello. Sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> I was saying, Rosie, if you want to chime in on that, um, I'm, I'm happy to hear what you have to say and I do have a quote um to align with my question so the quote is from a sketch actually and it says rather than continuing or even increasing consumption of better made goods we need to face the fact that we can't shop our way to sustainability so yes what what do you think about about that concept in relying to taking taking responsibility we can't shop our way to sustainability yeah i mean i agree with that that's why um i really don't think anybody should be um producing more than what they are planning to sell so i think um, i mentioned before in other rooms that i think on-demand production is probably you know the way to go um I mean, there are already enough goods we know um, out there already for everyone on the planet. So we don't really need to be, I mean, honestly, I don't even need to be designing. So I'm just going to be realistic here. I do it because I love to be creative, but I produce on demand. I wish other brands did the same. And we have a super, you know, terrible issue on our hands with that of being mass production and that of being, you know, sweatshop labor and, you know, all the other atrocities associated with it. So um, I think brands do have an obligation to show, uh, you know, utmost transparency. But I also think that the consumer needs to read between the lines and be interested in how the goods are made. And I don't see that that many consumers really care, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, there's still a disconnect, I think. Um, and I think until the mainstream consumer cares, it won't really make, 
you know, these brands really take responsibility and show, you know, what's going on behind the scenes. So, yeah. yeah, that's, I'm done. Thanks. Yeah. Well, the, well, the statistics that I looked into said that 95% of consumers say that they're interested in the detailed information. So if the traceability was there and the transparency was there, then maybe consumers would be interested in that information. That was just my thought. Maybe it's the fact that brands are not providing the information, um, which will, will probably impact um, the way consumers make their Yeah, choice. I also think um, it needs to be done in a way that um, people really understand what it all means, you know, so a way that's digestible and that makes sense to people that may not know the terminology and... Um, I'm not sure what best to illustrate that, um, but I think there's got to be maybe some universal way to do that. Yeah, and that's why I gave the example of that brand. I don't know if you um, take a look at the website. There are brands out there now um, um, sharing their carbon footprint and their water usage and all these other details. And I think that brand aspect that I mentioned does it in a really transparent and clear way that as a consumer you can... um, you can actually understand what they're doing. They even provide something called an impact receipt. So it's a receipt, you get a purchase receipt and you also get an impact receipt. So you get to know what that product's impact is once you buy that product. So what do you think about that that idea and that concept of providing customers with that information? Um, I'm just wondering, like, how high volume is this company like do you know how many units they produce um i know they have 33 different products um um, the main product lines have got 30 different 33 different products and then that is the main body of work that they have but i don't know the volume of sales I mean, that seems really great. It seems like they have the funding to do all that. Um, Again, though, I just think that to me seems like they have too many products and too many um, things being manufactured. But I'm all for the argument of, you know, smaller brands, um, very limited items. And like I said, only producing um, what you need to produce. But I mean, I don't know. I just wonder about, like, like I said, like how many units. I, I think that Rosie, I think you're, you've got um, you're a valid argument um, around scale. Let's call it scale in providing clothing for you know a basic basic necessity of human existence. Um, there's just been so much water under the bridge historically. I mean, we've been um, weaving textiles from fiber for 5,000 years, and uh, it's been a long, a very long evolutionary trail um, to, and and, uh, commercial trade really, beginning with the Silk Road, obviously, uh, and so while from a design point of view, I, I, we had an, a call in, in the last uh, room, we talked a lot about design and it is a, from the designer's perspective, um, I would agree. You can design, create, be a creator, a maker, 
as soon as it becomes um, what I call traders and facers, where there's um, where you're kind of uh, producing beyond, uh, let's a circle, a prescribed circle, like you could say a geographic circle, like a 30 mile radius is one that a lot of what a lot of folks who are involved in local production and would, would say a 30 mile or 60 kilometer radius is um, what a locovore, as some people would call them in the food and consumption industry, a, lo- a local person. These are real, real uh, actual, you know, one can actually build up a whole structural case for reconfiguring society. But we, Realistically, the answer to the question about, first of all, what is sustainability? And that's a, an, another issue. But if you take any component of the 17 United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, take poverty, climate, uh, gender equality, um, uh, things that translate into even certified credentials like organic or fair trade on the label of a, of a retail product. The, there are very few standards, um, uh, and those that the consumer is looking for on the label um, or in the brand, their understanding of the brand through whatever mechanism, marketing, word of mouth, um, these are become really, they have just become almost an obscenely global um, reality, and it's I, I'm right with you on scaling down small is beautiful. It is really, really important. I just to say, you know, I, I have been working on this particular traceability project for the textile and fashion industry for about almost two and a half years now, exclusively. I've spoken with and talked with every, every tier level representative. We've worked with major, major brands. Um, a lot of local designers. There are systems in place for even the smallest of shops and smallest of intention. There are tools available today, and, and Asket has obviously got some tools. But I'm I'm an industry uh, so-called information technology industry veteran, and I I can tell you that traceability is not new. Um, for f- many 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 years. Uh, even the smallest or let's say medium-sized um, production organizations uh, have systems that are accounting for inventory, where it comes from. But what is the reason why they trace is an interesting question. Like, for example, as it scales up, something like 20% of branded product in certain channels is counterfeit. And so yeah. their, their motivation is counterfeit. It's not some other, and that's not a sustainability goal. That's a pure profit financial motivation, is it not? So yeah. it's think, a, you know, yeah, uh, I, I, the answer to my quest, question about whether it's uh, the brand can, you know, we got can scale down. The truth is that every, every statistical analysis of let's say climate impact, shows that it is well, even if everybody stopped um, buying fast fashion today um, and we had a fully circular uh, cir- uh, traceable cir- with circularity from design and economics, uh, we would still not be able to bring 
the uh, amount of carbon in the air down to meet the very basic objectives by 2030, 2040, 2050 uh, to, to not hit the tipping point. So I believe that the answer to the question about whether consumers, broadly speaking, consumers can um, have impact, the kind of impact that we urgently need is probably the answer is no. And it's more about what Rosie is saying regarding how every level of the industry needs to be really getting in the same boat and, and rowing this and singing to the same tune. Now, whether it's going to be a small quartet or whether it's going to be a whole industry standard is um, really on the table. Yeah, I think there's a really good point there. And I think just the point that, that you were making, I think the, the tra- traceability may already be there in different aspects for different reasons, but I think it's the transparency and the traceability coming together that really helps and enhances sustainability. So I think that's that's the point that we're well I'm trying to make on this Raising Your Consciousness podcast is that we need the transparency, but we also need the traceability to be following that. Um in order you, to it's so easy to greenwash. I mean I'll just tell you that I, I have a web development division and we've done a number of these projects like the ASCET one where you're, it's not too difficult from a graphics point of view and even from a, to put data behind those graphics that show, that do those calculations. But when you really get into what uh, impact calculation you're using or what percent and start throwing percentages out there um, against some, um, against some metric it gets very very muddy very gray uh yeah. whether that's true or not is, the truth is more about tracking and tracing than it is about um and and, and the transparency is uh going to have to be a demanded and enforced thing at some point as we some of you either of you may know already um the EU has re- just passed legislation um, that basically is the of a carrot and stick motivation to make these changes. The stick is coming down in Europe around greenwashing. Yeah, that needs to be a global um, regulatory sort of trend, trend. Not only a trend, but it needs to be legislated. It's it's real governance, real politics, and it's real public-private dance that uh, is happening, certainly not fast enough. Certainly in the United States, there's huge resistance. There's so much capital and financial stuff um, uh, that's holding it back that it's going to take a rebellion of significance, in my view, to... um, to hit our goals and to make a change. I don't mean be pessimistic about it. I, I'm I'm right in yeah. there right now fighting. <laughs> yeah, this is the Sustainable Fashion Podcast and it's um, raising your consciousness. We're here to talk about the real facts about what's going on and the challenges. So it does feel a bit grim sometimes, but I think it's definitely worth getting the message out there and, and getting people on board the conversation. Um, I do have a question based on what you were saying, actually. So it's basically what are the key challenges with traceability and transparency for brands today? So as you mentioned, the greenwashing is very easy to do. Um, and it's 
it's something that people can fall into without actually realizing um, that there's things that they need to be looking into into the business. So I just want to try and um, get your thoughts on that. What are the key traceability challenges and, and transparency challenges for brands? And um, yeah, I do agree with what Rosie was saying. Um, in, to, to, in regards to consumption, I think really the idea is to just stop producing. Um, but is that even a possibility? So yeah, they're, they're my two questions. Well, there, there's the sheer number of absurd amount of waste everywhere in the supply chain based upon these sort of systemic uh, production methodologies. And the most difficult thing for tracking and tracing is the complexity in the supply chains where um, there are just so many places where a transaction happens, a trade happens, where it can be um, essentially a lie can be told or, um, or the information just doesn't get conveyed from one step to the next. And it's not, it's not only is it not conveyed, it's sometimes it's hidden, but it's often not asked as well. So you have a lot of that um, where it's just almost logistically, the sheer logistics of knowing where the stuff comes from um, is daunting because every single step from the designer, the, uh, I mean, not just the designer, I'm talking about from the uh, grower or the uh, fact, uh, manufacturer of fibers all the way to um, through the yarn, through the spinning, through the weaving, all, every step of the way, something can be added or subtracted from what's in there and based upon their motivations to drive costs down or to they can they will take a sustainable goal and throw it in the you know put it aside whether it's using child labor or whether it's um adding a synthetic uh ink instead of a natural ink um temporarily because it's just color after all who's really doing the testing as they go along it's a very very challenging um, but that's not to say it, it can't be done. It is being done. And when you bring it down to like what Asket's doing there, if they can, if they're controlling, I mean, 33 SKUs is a big SKU, actually big, a lot, a lot of, a lot of SKUs. Um, so, but they seem to be doing it right. But even if they're doing it right or getting, doing it better. Yeah. What's the price of that product? It's how, how many people are going to buy that? That's not what we're, the problem. The problem is going down to, you know, who. Yeah. Letters, you know, so such and such and such and such. <laughs> yeah, you know? no, I did. I did look into that. I think I probably have to check. Actually, let me check. I think one T-shirt is about eighty-five pounds or dollars, something like that, or one product. Um, I can't remember what the. Let's see, the T-shirts. How much are they? So it's like you're saying, it is a case of like, are people prepared to invest in sustainable brands? Oh no, um, a t-shirt is 30, 30 pounds, a plain t-shirt is 30 pounds. So it's still. I, I think they're hitting a sweet spot there and they're, they're going to grow on there, I believe. I, I looked at it earlier today. Uh, I, I mean, I see it. And there are hundreds of companies like them right now that have been in my orbit now for a couple of years and yeah. they're growing, they're, especially in Europe, and they're growing. Um, uh, 
and, and it's exciting, really exciting. Um, now, whether social media and new forms of um, getting these businesses up and running financially so they can scale beyond and keep that, you know, cause they'll run into it. They'll, they'll run into many along the way, you know, as soon as they get up to 50 or a hundred SKUs or they start to, to export or go across any, some boundary line, all of that stuff is going to create new costs, new dynamics, new uh, difficulty in, maintaining that and, um, and, and competition. So, you know, the, and what is really happening in the industry is that the, the LVMHs, et cetera, et cetera, they're buying up all these really cool brands and stuff and then co-opting their, uh, they may say, well, we're going to let them do exactly like they're doing now. But when you really get in there and believe me, I've been there, um, there's yeah. nobody holding their feet to the fire, really, and uh, and it's just still it'll never be a more than the percentage that keeps the rest of their bad behavior profitable. You know what I'm yeah. saying? They 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 bring in a brand and, and say they have a a um I'll say con- a consciousness brand. I won't say the real name, but you know who I'm talking about. They'll say yeah. um, they'll say that they um, have a that they're doing good and and it looks very nice on their balance sheets to their shareholders and that kind of thing. But when, but they're never going to drive the percentages up. Get, I, I mean, it's great that ASCAP wants to be a hundred percent, but I'm so, the real, real issue is so massive. It's, so, it's such a rather enormous thing that, yeah, we, one would say, oh, let's just educate everybody and the consumers will drive the, the demand. But at the same time, there's so much stuff being pushed out. And then when they don't sell it, because, like, for example, all the retail stores were closed during the pandemic, when they don't sell it, they're just throwing it out into landfill mm-hmm. instead of giving it to people and uh, storing it somewhere or whatever. Um, instead, it's going into landfill and throwing more junk into the sky. It's really, yeah. really frightening. And it's putting all those work, all those people in the supply chain, which, you know, you can say it's a big brand, but under that is a lot of people, a lot of jobs, a lot of people, a lot of little companies that are doing little things like, you know, making zippers and things. And, and they're, and they're, these little companies, you know, they're not getting paid. Um, because, and, and so it's a, we have a systemic, uh, um, corporatized, really difficult set of entrenched things that are happening. But at the same time, we have a whole new generation. We have Greta Thunberg and other designers that are amazing to me uh, um, and, and, and spokespeople that want to make change. And I am just very – I can tell you, even though we're just suffering right now, I have a great deal of hope for the next gen- few generations. There's some really good stuff going on. Um, and, yeah. it's, you know, what a, a lot of uh, – but it's going to be – it's going to be a lot of taken away, if you know what I mean. It's not going to be – It's not. they're not going to give up easily. You have to take yeah. it. I'd like to um, address um, Rosie because I know Rosie's an upcycler and, like, what is your like? You've been listening to the conversation. What is your thoughts about the challenges with traceability and transparency for the work that you do? The type of even if it's small runs and things like that for small independent brands. Because I know Jean has talked about the bigger brands and the scaling up of traceability and those challenges. 
I just wanted to hear a little bit about what you think about the challenges for small, smaller businesses when it comes to traceability and transparency. Yeah, sure. Um, I love the conversation. I mean, I think it's just um, in general finding the time to actually, you know, um, put forward this data and doing it in a meaningful way would probably be a challenge because, you know, small brands, like basically it's just me, you know, um, at my business. So, um, you know, how, how do these brands, like each brand is different. So I guess like creating the infographic, you know, having the data, creating the infographic, getting it out there, um, in terms of, you know, uh, make it making sense to people. And then, um, hopefully that will, you know, it will spread and other people will see that, you know, the brands are sustainable, but it's just, I think a matter of doing it and getting it out there. Um, and I know that that's just challenging in itself because when you are a small brand like myself, like I, it's just like, all I do really is design. So outsourcing the work to somebody that knows what they're doing and also making sure that I have all the, you know, the everything like correct in terms of the carbon footprint and all the measurements and whatnot. So I think that that's just, um, you know, it's just like, if it's a one woman show, it's a little bit harder than if you have like a whole team of people. Okay, that's really interesting. I think definitely, like Jean said, there's tools out there that you can tap into and there's probably consultants and things like that that you can get support from. But again, it's whether a small brand... You, you or, go to Fashion for Good. Fashion, I, have you, does he know Fashion for Good? Those yeah, people? I know them. Mm-hmm. They have the circularity tools now. They just published them a few months ago. Um, they're available to everybody. There are There's a whole circularity group in Europe right now, an ID group, because a lot of it is identification. It's data gathering and, and, you know, like it's hard for a designer to really grasp things like life cycle assessments, but you know, that's what happens, right? You get your samples out there and then suddenly they're depending on the channel that you're trying to move through um, uh, to get your product out, even the online ones, even the large ones like ASOS in Europe, these big, big ones, they're kind of good people, but they, to to meet their um, sort of uh, requirements, if you will, to get into cha- into the into the sales channels, is um, uh, it, it is so much more than one person can do. It's it's very very challenging. So there are tools uh, there are, and there are entrepreneurial independent companies that are cre- trying to put standards. There's standards, you know, it, it's at some point, something about standards, like what really is the carbon metric? You know, what is the real um, uh, information? And there's also something like what you do when you um, see, you you go and buy a washing machine or something and it's got A, B, C, D, E, and you know, it's from green to red and you can see in a glance that, oh, this is a problem thing. You know, that very that was hard enough to do in that uh channel um it's because energy you know and everybody was motivated by it because it was energy right i mean and energy was getting more expensive and we had and people are has been getting more expensive and so it's a uh, you know, the opposite problem in clothing where the products are getting less expensive <laughs> and so there's um people i think 
it, it's true that people, uh, I say people, but people, folks who are buying clothing, um, for less than utilitarian purposes, even because they want to, they are creatives themselves. They're designing themselves, if you will, every day, and they're empowered to do so with their discretionary income. Um, they, uh, don't even have the simplest of tools to say, well, maybe it's not so good that I buy that because it's got a big red, you know, high carbon footprint or something like that. There's some education, a lot of education. Some of the design schools are doing it. Parsons and the London School Design, some others are, they're starting to build in sustainability curricula. That's really important, really super important. Um, but you've got to get some really, really basic tools. There's a great standards organization called GS1, you know, the people who do these barcodes. They're, this is a nonprofit, big nonprofit, but they're actually, um, have a whole new sustainability uh, set of standards that, uh, you know, w- w- and it, it's beyond barcoding now. It's it's uh, QR coding, but it doesn't matter if you put a QR code or a barcode if the, you know, if you, if you can't really quickly get to know if what's in that fiber, you know, it's these blended fabrics, you know, you got stuff in there that uh, it's just impossible to really uh, very, very, very challenging to, you know, pass a QR code onto, onto something with your phone and find out if there's some, something toxic in your clothing. Uh, yeah. It's going to, it's going to be hidden. So it, it's challenging, it's but I, I think it's a scale thing. I think Rosie's on, you know, as a, if you can keep integrity, like even this company we're looking at today, if you can keep integrity and grow and get employees going and everybody is mutually benefiting. I think it comes down to, what I call a mindfully managing your your world and your business and your livelihood. And when you do that with integrity and ethics, and, and if enough people can do that, um, like Rosie, then you're then it'll have a synergistic effect and we'll see transformative change. That's what we need to see, I think. Yeah. I really like that idea. And I just wanted to find out as well in terms of um ethical and sustainable fashion will transparency and traceability actually impact consumer choices? Do you think that it will actually have an impact or will it be the case that, like, for example, if larger brands had that more transparent um, and traceable supply chains and people knew what was going on, where do you think the impact would come to consumers? Would it be brands like Rosie that have the integrity to be doing things sustainable, sustainably that can be managed and that can be tracked very easily and trusted? Or would it be the fact that you can see like a brand is 50% more sustainable this year and um, 60% more sustainable next year, so they're on a journey? Where where do you think the impact will come for consumers' choices? Does that make sense, that question? Can you, sorry, can you reframe it? Um, like, are you, you're asking like from a consumer standpoint? Yeah, from a consumer standpoint, where do you think the, the impact will come on their choices? Will it be by supporting smaller brands that can be trusted because it's easier to kind of understand their sustainability journey and they're less likely to be doing greenwashing and things like that? Or do you think, 
industry-wide traceability and transparency across the board would actually impact consumer choices? Well, I personally think that the consumer should um, prioritize shopping small, like from smaller makers. And I think um, generally if the brand is smaller, it's easier to trace everything um, most of the companies, you know, like myself, like, um, it's just easier to contact them at versus like, I think a bigger company, you have to go through so many people, you know, even to ask like a basic question. Um, I think that, you know, just shopping small in general should be common sense, um, commonplace. Um, but also I think that really there also needs to be more of a dialogue on, not only supporting, you know, these brands that are slow fashion, whether they're big or small, um, that's better, obviously, than fast fashion. But there needs to be a dialogue on why fast fashion is so bad still. And I think that there needs to be a lot of pressure on these fast fashion brands that are greenwashing to essentially stop that. Because I have seen now um, Primark and H&M have these billboards saying that they are basically essentially sustainable and they're using organic cotton now. And it's just extremely, it's just terrible that it's so in your face. And, you know, these are the big, the you know, these brands that like are in your face. You can't even avoid them if you tried. Like somebody like me that's immersed in the climate space, right? Like I can't even avoid seeing a billboard in Times Square if I tried, you know, you know, it's like I, I could go there with my eyes closed, but it's there. You know, you buy a mainstream magazine, you see these things like even if you try to avoid them, they're there. And I just think that the fact that they're doing this, we need to we need to all uh, speak out against these things because this is going to keep happening. And now people don't know which brands are telling the truth, essentially, because of these brands, you know, saying these things. Yeah, yeah I'm done speaking. You know, it's uh, it's wonderful to hear. Uh, I I'm really inspired by what you're saying, and I, like I said, it's hard. I um, I've been an activist my entire life, and I'm I'm down the road now. And some of these things we've been working on for so long. I mean, I I just can't tell you. It's it's true. Uh, my daughter just had um, her second child yesterday. I'm grandfather for the second time. Oh, and I'm, I'm just, and I raised my daughter to be conscientious, to be conscious, to discriminate and think through uh, broader um, issues. And, um, and, you know, and so she's just doing her best to, uh, and some of it's just very basically motivated. Like I don't want my child to be dressed in stuff that's toxic or I, I don't want, or to be eating such, or, uh, or I don't want to be, I, I want something that's durable. And when it's, when she's grown out of it, um, I, it can be, make it useful for somebody else and there where's the mechanism for that the whole uh swapping and transference thing it's uh it's growing now and i see it every city i'm i live in europe it's uh it's happening and even you know h&m's got the take back program it, it's starting to happen 
uh, some stuff, but it's, you're right, Rosie, it's obscene. It's obscene and enough is enough. And that's why I, I literally am a supporter of uh, Extinction Rebellion around climate issues. When I say that, I don't mean, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't support violence. I'm talking about, you know, standing up and making change happen and demanding it. Um, it's probably not enough to just try and get consumers to boycott. I mean, we in the United States did all kinds of things to boycott. Uh, uh, some boycotts worked. But at the end of the day, for example, when, when apartheid in South Africa was such a broad issue, we, the only way it really uh, got shifted was when big, uh, you know, when divestment and big financial organizations just stopped, uh, um, they, they just stopped it. And, and it's at that level that has to happen as well. And, and, you know, I work with a lot of designers. I mean, they don't have the time or the inclination or the skills. So you do have to find other people around you and join together uh, to build a new, uh, a new economy and a new impact uh, um, aware um, uh, world. You know, the problem is that if, even if everybody we're all, we're all sitting in a kind of a privileged place, even if everybody when we say every, when I say everybody, I mean the people we know around us are are better. You know, if you live in a liberal place, like I lived in California for 40 years, the greenest state in the union, whatever, the most progressive, uh, the bluest, blue and green. You know, it's a uh, you start to believe that you're doing that you're righteous, and in fact, the rest of the world, you know, 75 percent of the world is sitting on a subsistence farm right now, just trying to get you know, enough water, maybe some electricity to, and some crops to uh, get to tomorrow. And, and, and the climate is changing so fast, they're going to have to migrate, like a billion of them are going to have to migrate within less than 10 years. Uh, where are they going to go? The cities? Uh, it's a really, really daunting challenge, really daunting challenge. And so, yes, I, it's, it's time it's time to step up and make some change. And I'm, I'm for um, holding their uh, accountability. Um, I'm building systems. I have a system uh, program we call the credit sphere with circular rewards, ethically distributed. I'm working with all kinds of folks, the top five uh, major software developers for track and trace. Some of them interested in circularity, others still, you know, just trying to prevent um, counterfeit. Um, they're, it's not, they're not all on board and because they're funded by the peeps, peeps who are like, you know, they got the haves, the haves have, and the have nots don't. So it's a, um, I, I, I want, I've worked with a lot of designers with conscience now and they are coming together. They're coming together in the quote unquote metaverse. They're NFTing their designs. They're trying to make sure that, uh, they use technology like blockchain and to get to, what we would call truth, public truth, or decentralized public truth. These are real things. I'm a technologist. I work yeah. on these things. Yeah. They're real things, but they're not. They're just going to get regular. They're going to. There's a whole lot of break putting at the government level and at the financial capital level. They're saying, "Whoa, you're going too fast. Whoa, we got to do it more slowly." And and some of that is truthful. I mean. Uh, there's an African uh, woman in Africa named Mumsy. I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but uh, yeah, yeah, she's doing some amazing things for uh, to try and bring sustainability values 
at, you know, at a very local level. And, um, but we, if somebody's got, says, okay, well, you can't eat meat anymore in your village because they think, you know, they're, they're vegan warriors. And by the way, I'm a vegan. So, uh, but I mean, if they say you, you got to stop doing that, uh, that's the kind of regulation that's, you know, just going to have the absolute worst impact on that community. Uh, they, so it's a very delicate thing. And we have to be aware that in our sort of echo chambers, and I don't just mean the social media echo chambers. I mean, do you really go buy a homeless person every single day? Maybe if you're in New York, I'm in Paris, it's, they're all over the place, but it's in pl many places in the United States, for example, and in, in England where I spent some time, there's just insulate. You don't see it. It's all hidden somewhere. It's like, uh, you know, you're not really seeing all the, um, yeah, where the real issue is. And, 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 and it's, as you well know, it, there's, uh, racial bias, gender bias in, in media and in, uh, and at the decision making level for not, and I'm not just talking corporations. I'm talking about entrepreneurial businesses. You know, a lot of artists, they become tyrannical and they forget where they get, how they got to where they got, as you well know. And, and they fall into the same greed, the same me, 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 me stuff. And they rationalize it by uh, often um, uh, and even bling bling themselves into righteousness. Uh, sorry to say. Uh, so it's a very. I do have a question. I do have a question. Um, we're going to be wrapping up the podcast in about five, just over five minutes, maybe five, ten minutes. So just to round up the conversation, um, we're talking about fashion traceability and we, like, Jean, you've given so much great input to this conversation. Rosie, you've definitely shed light on, like, the, small, the smaller businesses and their challenges and things like that. So we can see that um, traceability is complex and it is um, a minefield. But is it is it is it um, worthwhile pursuing traceability? And when it comes to like the technology side, blockchain, everything like that, is is it worthwhile to the industry? Is it something that is going to have an impact on sustainability, or is it is the problem too far gone? So that's my question, really, just to wrap up the conversation and see. And Rosie and um, Jean, if you can just add your thoughts on that based on what you've been saying today. Is traceability in fashion um, something that we need to to be investing in? And is it, yeah, is it going to work when it comes to sustainability or are we in a situation where um, the system is is too too hard to break down so that's my question i mean i think it's definitely needed and necessary and i think um like if you look at what's happened in the food industry um now you can pick up you know a piece of fruit or something and know where it comes from like i'm hoping that we're on the path to be able being able to do that with a piece of clothing when you're out shopping i mean i think that's definitely what we need. Will it happen? I'm sure it will, but it will take a long time. And at very different levels, depending on how large these brands are. Um, I also think that circularity and end of life cycle needs to be 
um, embedded in, you know, however they're displaying this information, there needs to be sort of a way to, uh, you know, figure out what to do with the garment at end of life cycle. Um, so there needs to be like some sort of diagram or, you know, booklet on what to do next with the garment. So it, it either continues or, you know, are you, are, is the brand going to remake it into something new? I think that the consumer needs to know and they need to be involved with that process too. Yeah. Thanks so much. I'm done speaking. Thank you, Rosie. Jean, what, what are your thoughts on that? I, I agree a hundred percent. Um, there are many regulatory things that need to be put in place. There are many practices that need to be put in place. It's going to be slow, but it's, it's actually moving very rapidly right now, all things considered, especially when brands, because some tools are readily available that were not before. It's kind of like when personal computing came involved and then handheld phones, smartphones, and then there was actually access to the to the information relatively quickly, not just the device, but there was an actual infrastructure to deliver all the information. Um, so all the, that technology and now the new wave of technology, some people call it the fourth wave, this new technology, it's being embraced by young designers. It's being embraced um, by brand uh, entrepreneurs. Um, there's a, uh, it, it is happening and, more, more, more is, uh, you know, where, where I'm at about it. Um, I would just say this. If you're not, uh, designers have to be, have, have to explore the digital realm. Let's call it that. They have to understand information and design together. Um, they can, and they have friends around them. And usually when, if they're, stuff is cool enough and interesting enough they will have those folks around them and that it's a collaborative thing just like any any real um phenomenon uh it's a it's it's a together thing it's a collaboration so find you got to find complementary and collaborative people around you there are on ramps for small brands like circular go to fashion for good or circular fashion in europe or um you know it's easy to, some of these on-ramps are actually right there. Can, do you have the time? Can you step away from, you know, your designing to do that or delegate it to somebody? Or can you afford to delegate it to somebody? Those are real important things, but they, they got to be in your business plan. It's like anybody would say from a business planning point of view, like the business side of music, the business side of fashion. Mm -hmm. You've got to have a business plan and you got to write it right into your business plan. Traceability now that's my yeah, uh, yeah. um i yeah. also wanted to um i also was going to mention too i think that brands should disclose like the factories are working with um and i know that many brands are very hush hush about um you know which factories they're actually using and where they are so i think that would be a great way to make progress i mean a step further would also be um telling people how much the workers are making too so they know that they're actually – so that way the public knows they're making a living wage. Um, I'm really not sure why many brands are so hush-hush about the factories they're working with. It doesn't really make well, sense unless it's like, you know, there's something shady going on. I think 
I tell people the factory I work with, even though I'm a small brand, like I don't see what the big deal is, <laughs> but that's just. Well, there is a, the open apparel group that has built a huge international database. They're growing every day. They now publish that data and even small brands can get their, uh, their data. It's if you're, if you know where your stuff is, all you have to do is get to sign up and go in there and enter your, your stuff into their system and it will grow. The, uh, that the open apparel group is, is getting inroads into the bigger, uh, uh, supply chain players. It's not easy. I mean, I can tell you I've traced a hundred factories in China and, and I'm talking about the good ones, the ones that are actually, um, you know, certified organic or certified fair trade, real people, uh, international bilingual people going there, figuring it out who the good folks are, even them, they get stuck into situations. I mean, I can't tell you what it was like during the pandemic to work with them. It was really, really difficult. They were hit first, as you remember, it's a, uh, it's very, but when you're a small, when you're starting out, if you start out and build a foundation, stay the course and be, have integrity and be mindful and stay there and build a culture around your, uh, your brand, um, uh, but also around just your collaborative effort and intention. It, I, I have a great deal of optimism that change can be made. And I mean, not just for, let's call it us, for it's all of us, right? Not it's, and it, not don't fall into us and them. It's always us. That would be my, my uh, moment of uh, expression. And, and yeah. Um, Thank you, Jean and Rosie. This has been, I've really enjoyed this conversation. And um, there's just the point of um, what Jean brought in um, towards the end about business planning and, and planning traceability into your business. I think that's really important for, for especially for small businesses to, and have that projection of what needs to be taking place step by step. And at the Global Fashion Marketplace, that's what we actually do. We run an incubator for um, small and independent businesses and we do business development and we do brand development and things like that so um yeah that's I just thought I'd bring that in because that's the important thing that I actually work with brands on um so yeah this is the sustainable fashion podcast and it's our Thursday show um raising your cons- consciousness and we've been talking about traceability so um I'm going to wrap up the podcast now I don't know if um, Rosie or Jean have any final words to say in regards to traceability like as as um, I mentioned a lot of my audience are small independent brands and, and but there's different people that listen to this podcast professionals experts in the industry and things like that so yeah it's been a challenging conversation I think it's been a really um, insightful conversation as well do you guys have any final things that you would say to the listeners of the podcast about traceability and the importance of this for the fashion industry? I would say that uh, it's time to um, for everyone to be a, what we call a tracer. And uh, some of that is detective work. It's follow the money. Um you have a business, um, 
it's a designer is a creator. And then, like I said, there are makers, there are traders, there are facers, there are placers, people, distributors and that kind of thing. As it scales up, even on a small scale, I mean, once you sell your stuff online and you're doing it through somebody else's shop, you didn't build it yourself. Uh, you're, you've got other folks involved. They're taking a piece. It's, and so you want to make sure that every time somebody's taking a piece, that it's coming back in a circular way. That's circular economy. We, in order to hit the, the ethical values we need, we also have to have we have to have circular design and circular economy. So I get back to yes, get your business plan in place, and at the same time, be you know, do be a good creator, a tracer. Thank you, Dean. Worthy. Yeah, um, and I like what Jean said too. I mean, I would just say like, don't buy anything new at all unless you know the source exactly. Like, unless you know what, how transparent this company is. Um, I'm a big, big advocate for secondhand and used clothing. Um, I would say, you know, the majority of my wardrobe is secondhand, and I, I have a love for vintage and get a lot of inspiration from there. Um, and I don't have a problem buying used clothing, and I hope more people will, you know, essentially tap into what's already here on earth rather than um, buying new unless it's necessary and you want to support a local maker that's actually doing good. So that's what I'd say. Thanks so much. Thank you, Rosie. Thank you, Jean. It's been an amazing conversation and um, it's been great having you um, on the podcast, on the show, Raising Your Consciousness. I think my consciousness has definitely been raised in regards to the challenges of traceability and um yeah, it's, it's been an excellent show. So we'll. The Sustainable Fashion Podcast is in partnership with the Pink Kangaroo Podcast Network. <laughs>